soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Not the principalities and powers like five-star general, Satan, four-star generals, three-star generals, colonels, captains, lieutenants, second lieutenants, right? In officer ranks. No, Satan. That's like in human government, that's, you know, Lenin or Stalin or Hitler at the very top. He's asked for you. That is so sobering. Just think about that for a minute. It's one thing if some low-ranking demon wants to wreck your life. It's another if Satan goes to Jesus and says, that guy, Peter, Mr. Walking on Water, I want to sift him like wheat. That is so sobering. I don't even really want to know who's trying to destroy me. But I'll tell you this, the devil knows who you are and he knows your address. And we abide in Christ, we're good. We draw near the Lord, we're good. We want to go on our own, it's... You know, it's still filtered by the Lord and he's got our back, but, you know, it is what it is. And so there's Peter, so full of confidence, I am your starting quarterback, if you will. And Jesus like, you don't even understand. You, you don't even know what's going to go down tonight. You, you're, you just don't even know. The devil himself is asking for you personally. Remember, Jesus took on the devil for 40 days in the wilderness and succeeded where our first head of the race, Adam, failed. Jesus' second Adam conquered. And then he says, and not only that, Peter, you're actually, you're in this game tonight. You are in this game. And you're going to turn it over three times tonight. You are full of confidence right now, but before this night is over, you are going to be weeping. That rooster's going to crow, and that crowing rooster on this morning, this night, for the rest of your life, that crowing rooster is going to remind you of your darkest moment in your human experience. You will deny me before that rooster crows. Three times you will deny me this night. And it was so, uh, you know, it's a problem when we're, we're self-confident. We just don't see that. Like we say, I just didn't see this coming. Like, But Paul warned us in the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 10, if anyone thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. And, and that's the problem. We, when we're totally dependent upon the Lord, we're strong. But when we become self-confident and self-dependent that we can do this, I got this, then we set ourselves up for failure. But there's good news in this. Jesus said in verse 32, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you and that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, you're going to strengthen your brethren. Through your failure, Peter, your, fa- your faith will not fail. You will deny me, but your faith will not fail. And I will strengthen you, and you'll be returned to the brother, your brethren. And you could also add, based on what we know, we might say, and you will be 
one of the greatest leaders in the history of the human race. You will get up on the day of Pentecost when people are speaking languages fluently by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire on their head, and everyone's wondering what's going on. You're going to stand up, and you're going to quote Scripture like you've never quoted Scripture. And you're going to bring the fire of heaven and the love of God upon the people of Jerusalem. And your preaching is going to be so powerful, so authoritative with the power of heaven, all authority given to me in heaven and earth, that when you preach on the day of Pentecost, thousands of people are going to respond in faith and repentance. Isn't that good to know? Isn't it good to know like when we turn it over, the Lord's got our back and he can use it for good? But the lesson is clear. Jesus intercedes for us both when we're being successful and we feel like we've become a failure in what he's called us to do. I have prayed for you. The Bible tells us that Christ ever lives and intercedes for his people in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's ever interceding for us. God is for us in all that he's entrusted us and called us to do and he's ever interceding for us. We're never alone when we're facing that situation. Danny and I were talking briefly before the service when we did that memorial for his friend who lost their, their newborn. And we did a graveside service for not a believer at the time, and I don't know if he is now, but uh, they were grieving. You know, there are two people that loved each other. They had a baby, and their baby died shortly after birth. It was a very heavy situation. And we showed up in our van, and Danny's going to sing some songs, and I'm going to share this message with nobody. I don't know anybody there at all. Just... Raw, real ministry. Graveside, Long Beach. And you know, we pull up and we walk, we walk up and like, Lord, this is so beyond me. You know, how do you build a bridge right there? Just picture that for a minute. Like, how do you just get up like, hi, you don't know me. I'm a minister. You lost your child. I've lost a child. There's a small casket. My friend's going to sing songs about heaven. I'm going to share the truth and hopefully you're going to get saved. Like, how do you get, like, in the, and I was talking about this during a memorial today, death is a Picasso painting. It's eclectic. Salsa Sunday, the happy day, it's like Monet. It's just so pretty. It's like a pond in France in the 1800s. It looks so happy and peaceful. Death is Picasso, if you know your art. It's eclectic. It's just it's, it, it's warp speed. It goes through different motions and emotions and a memorial and all this stuff. And you walk up, and I'm so grateful the sufficiency isn't on me or anything I've ever done, but it's Christ interceding for me. And I can go back to that day, Danny, and I can remember that moment. It's like, God, I'm your servant. We're your servants. You fill me with your spirit. Please give me the mind, the fruit, the gifts, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Give me favor with these people and help me to uh, lovingly and boldly proclaim your word. Our sufficiency, Paul said, is not of ourselves. It's in Christ. And he ever lives to intercede for us. He's got our back. You think, how do you face these situations? Like, what, how? You know, you walk up, and I got to tell you, my gut dropped when I saw that little casket. I wasn't quite ready for that one. The little casket gets me every time, the little casket, and the smaller hole in the ground. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a gut punch. But you know, Christ is interceding for me. He didn't say, Joey, I'm going to stay at Shoreline Baptist Church when you leave with Danny. Or I think we left from Costa Mesa, if I recall right. But So... Jesus and the Holy Spirit didn't stay at 3800 South Fairview Avenue and let us go to Long Beach without us. Like, oh, tell, us, tell me how it goes and let me know. No, he's with us and he's interceding for us. 
That's his faithfulness. And I want to declare again tonight, lessons from the last hour for you tonight is you will never face anything in Jesus' name on your own without him interceding for you, without him equipping you and guiding you. And you just got to know that like that you only need faith for the next step and the next step is the next moment what God has for you to do. He's always interceding for you, knowing our failures before they happen and knowing the joy of our successes before they happen. He's for us and he's with us. Whatever would strike fear in you, faith in Jesus Christ and his promises supersedes that and oversees that and is completely beyond that. This life journey brings a lot of uncertainty. It brings the testings. It brings the trials. It brings the tragedy. It brings the tribulation. It brings the tragedy. There's no way around it. And in those experiences of life, we can look what Jesus says. I have prayed for you. Your faith should not fail. And Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And we look into Jesus. And, you know, we're told in Philippians 4 that, let, that, you know, be anxious for nothing but through prayer and supplication that a request be known, made known to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. And do the memorial today for a husband left behind with a five-year-old and a two-year-old. The peace of God surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We don't have to feel that he's praying for us. We don't have to feel that his peace is reigning in us. We don't have to feel that we can climb the mountain with the Lord. We just need to believe it. We just need to believe it. Because all your promises are yes and amen. The danger for Peter was self-assurance and self-confidence. So the warning about the dispute about being great was about you know self-exaltation and self-promotion and power. But the danger with Peter that Jesus really brought to the head was the danger of self-assurance and self-confidence in our flesh. Paul the Apostle said, we put no confidence in the flesh. So we learn from Peter and what Jesus was teaching him in the, the, the life lessons in the, the last hour is the danger of pride, particularly spiritual pride, where we think we can do something perhaps better than everyone else, when in fact, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We read on for our third lesson now. Verse 35, and he, Jesus, said to them, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing. Then he said to them, but now... He who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack, he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that that which is written must still be accomplished in me. And now he quotes the Old Testament concerning a prophecy concerning him, that he, Jesus, was numbered with the transgressors. So hundreds of years before Christ came, this prophecy was spoken in Isaiah 53. He was numbered with the transgressors. Of course, Jesus was crucified between two criminals being executed with capital punishment for their crimes. So he was numbered with the transgressors, verse 37, for the things concerning me have an end. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. So contextually, he sent these 12 out, now it's 11. These 11 now 
lessons in the final hour, they had gone out on that first journey, which is actually coming up in Mark chapter 3, this Tuesday night. They went out on that first journey as 12 in teams of two, and Jesus said, don't take anything. You're going to learn to live by faith. That was their first, you know, their serving the Lord 101. And you're going to go out by faith, and if they receive you, great. If they don't, shake the dust off your feet, keep moving, and go out with the kingdom. And then he sent out the 70, and it's more than likely the 12 are part of the 70 as well. And now this unusual conversation where he says, you know, I sent you out with this and that. Did you lack anything? They said, no. But now you need this, and you need that. It's interesting he says that you, you know, if you have no sword, sell your clothes and buy a sword. This is a, a riddle to me, and I don't completely understand this because not sure what the purpose of the sword was, and maybe some of you will come to me after service and say, ah, I know what the sword was for, so you're welcome to do that after service, okay? Uh, because Jesus said, he who takes up the sword will perish by the sword. And Peter had a sword, right? What did Peter do? Don't forget Peter, your starting quarterback. What did he do? Before he turned the ball over three times, he cut a guy's ear off, right? Yeah, I mean, whatever that sword was for, I can assure you, it wasn't to take a, you know, cut off someone's ear. It just, it just wasn't. So, because Jesus, like, what are you doing? And he put the, the ear back on Malchias, the, you know, the, the servant, put the ear back on supernaturally, healed his ear. So whatever the sword was for, it's not to cut off people's ears when Judas and a mob's coming for you. We can conclude that from the context of Scripture and what Jesus said. Not completely sure about the sword, the purpose of it. Um. Like God be true and every man a liar. Just not sure what that's all about, but we know it's not about cutting people's ears off. Amen? Yeah, okay, so we know that. Whatever it is, it's not for cutting people's ears off in, the, in that sense. Now, I want to draw your attention to verse 37. Well, actually, briefly, 35 again. He said, when you went out, did you lack anything? He said, nothing. So in earlier experiences of life and ministry, serving the Lord, it was like this, and they lacked Nothing, But now he says there's a new experience, and it's like this. So this time you need to get this, you need to get that, and you need to get that. So think about this. This is how we've done ministry in the past, but now I want you to do ministry like this. And that's a benefit I have from my life experiences, starting a church in Virginia Beach in the Bible Belt in the 90s, and starting a church in Vermont in the 90s, and starting a church in Orange County at a Baptist facility and now going on 14 years on Saturday nights and Tuesday nights. It's never the same. Last Tuesday night, we're in the passage in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus talked about new wine goes in new wine skins. Now, in the other Gospels, we're told, particularly Matthews, that the old wine is still in the old wine skin, and it's good. They're both preserved. But you can't, you can't start the new thing by putting the old thing in the new thing, or the new thing in the old thing. That each in that culture with wine and how they had the wine and how they preserved it, it goes in its own wineskin and you don't mix it. It's, each thing's in its order. At the same time, going through finishing the Psalms last week in some personal devotion time, reminding those back in Psalms that we're to sing a new song to the Lord. We're to sing a new song. I once, I can only recall doing this once with a worship leader and I, I said to him, I go, 
And I rarely ever, ever, you know, Danny will testify. I've never suggested a song ever for Danny. I don't think ever, ever. You know, it's like I trust that God's got him. But there was a worship leader one time. I said, you know, like I noticed something. You've sang the same songs for the entire year. You, you, there's not one new song. And he said, it's reflective where I'm at with the Lord. I don't have a new song. And I was able to exhort him, you know, like, you need to find a new song. We don't need you singing songs from last year with the Lord. We want you singing songs from this year. Those are the songs that God did in your life then. We want to hear those. Yeah, they take us back. They're like pillars. But the Bible says sing a new song. In Ecclesiastes, we're told in chapter 3, there's a time to be born, a time to die, and then there's a human experience, an entire human experience. And after the flood, God gave seasons so we would know the seasons and the distinctions of time. And the seasons, days and weeks and months and seasons, they just roll and they roll and they roll. And there's just different seasons of life. And that's the way God designed it. He designed it that way. And Jesus said, that's the way it was, but this is the way it is. So we need to understand that what God wants to do in the future in our life is not, not, not at all necessary what he did in the past. Now, he doesn't change in character, so he's going to be the same yesterday and forever in what he's doing in our life. But there's a powerful lesson here. When you look at the book of Acts, none of the ministry looks the same. When churches and denominations try and set themselves up with a theology based upon the book of Acts, man, they run into trouble. Because it's just changing. It just changes. It's so fluid and organic, the book of Acts. How God worked in Ephesus, how he worked in Corinth, how he worked in Berea, how he worked in Philippi, how he worked in the Galatian churches. It's just so fluid. Like, the apostles' doctrine, prayer, and fellowship, that's all there from Acts 2.42 on. But the distinction of the Antioch church in Syria or the Ephesian church is just so different. It's, it's a mosaic of the human experience, and the ministry teams change. It's Paul, I mean, it's Peter and John, and then it's Paul and Barnabas, and then it's, and then it's, it's Paul and Silas, and we didn't see that coming, but Silas felt like it was good to stay in Antioch, and the other guys go back, and then there's a dispute, and then it's Paul and Silas, and then they get going on their journey, and there's Timothy. And somehow along, Titus became a part of it. The, the book of Acts starts with Peter and John, and the uh, apostles, the 12 plus Matthias, the new one. And by the time you get to the end of it, there's all these new names. Aristarchus, the traveling partners, Luke, the eyewitness account. And then we're on this boat, and then we did this, and we did that. It's just so, it's just so fluid. It's never the same. 2019 is not meant to be 2018. Let God put new wine in new wineskins and let him write a new song. I can appreciate an old song, but I want a, I want a new song. It's your praise will ever be on my lips. You know, we want, want a, a new song. What's he doing now? You know, we were driving around with Zippy the other day. <laughs> Jennifer and I had Zippy, our granddaughter, for a day. It reminds you, like, when you're a parent, you know, it's like, okay, okay, what do we do? You know, it's like, Jennifer's just like, it's like, you know, and I'm driving, and there's Zippy in the back, and now she's over two, so she can face ahead. So before her back would be to us in the car, now she's just like, and she's like, and I just like, and, and um, I've got a picture of me and Zippy in the car, and that's a new song. Oh, and the VeggieTales? She's watching the VeggieTale DVD of the VeggieTale songs. All the VeggieTales songs, silly songs with Larry, you know. And it's like, 
our kids grew up with that. And I said, Zippy, your mom grew up with these songs, and particularly Timmy and Luke, because the boys always watch the Veggie Tales. And it's going, I'm hearing it. I'm not seeing it, right? Because it's on the TV, and I'm, I'm hearing it. I'm like, you know, it's like, I'm singing the songs. They're all there. But it's like, it's like a new song because there's Zippy. It's incredible. The thought is it's okay to be 50, 57 in 2019 with grandkid number one of three in the back listening to the VeggieTales songs. Let him write a new song. And look at this last phrase. Jesus says, he said, verse 37, I draw your attention to this. He said, for the things concerning me have an end. And let us close with this thought. The things concerning you have an end. Things concerning me have an end. We have a journey. We have our life. The Holy Spirit calls us to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ and to receive him, to receive his forgiveness, to be filled with the Spirit, and then we have a calling, and we get on with that calling. And we live life the way it's meant to be lived. Because I tell you, for me, for you, for all of us, the things concerning us have an end. Jesus always did those things that please the Father in his life perfectly fulfilled in 33 years, the prophecies of the Old Testament and the purpose of his coming. And we have a life from the Father. As Paul says, God's predetermined our times and seasons. And once we're saved, we enter into that calling and we want to fulfill what God's called us to do. Paul said at the end of his life, I've fought the good fight, I've kept the faith, I've finished the race. The things concerning me have an end. He said the time of my departure is now at hand. The things concerning me now have an end. Last week during the Super Bowl Sunday in Huntington Beach, they had the marathon. They have it every Super Bowl. And they have a half marathon and a full marathon. And they close PCH. And my wife and I like to go ride our bikes on that day. And we're riding our bikes. And something I noticed I've never noticed before, there's a different route for the half marathon. I'll say half marathon, four miles, you know, uh, full marathon, 12 miles. And uh, isn't that like life? Some people live half a life. Some people live a full life. Some people live 40 years. Some people live 80 years. Some people, they get a half marathon or less. Some people get a full marathon. But when we went to the finish line to watch people finish, there's people there ringing cowbells. Someone brought their, the dog of the runner, so the dog's at the finish line barking at them as they're coming to the finish line. And people that finished the half marathon got a medal for the half marathon. People that finished the full marathon got a medal for the full marathon. And yet a guy doing the commentating, saying their name, cheering them on as they're coming to the finish line. Some people finished strong with a kick. Some people were bent over sideways with a hobble. But they all finished. They finished that race. That finish line's coming for us. And again, doing a, mem- a memorial this week and the events that we've I've had this week, they've reminded me so truly that it's just so temporal. And not only that, you might not even have a half marathon. You might have a 5K because they also have a 5K. I know plenty of people that have a 5K. Their life is a 5K. It is not the quantity, but the quality. And the things concerning you and you and me, they have an end. And so... The lessons from the last hour with Jesus, this have an end, it really, it it tells us the danger of living, it warns us of the danger of living in the past 
on past laurels, on past experiences and past accomplishments. And it reminds us we must always be looking to the future, forward, onward, upward, as Philippians says, for the new wine, the new song, and the new experiences of life. It is ironic, but Luke broke one of my important surf trophies today randomly. Surfer pole, 1984, eighth place, top 10 in the world. I woke up from a nap after doing the memorial, and I look, and I, hey, the surf shot's there, but it's not framed in the, you know, I'm top 10 in the world. And I said, Jennifer, did something happen to the surf? Yeah, Luke shattered. No kidding. You know, it was a long time ago, and who cares? Let's move on. You know what I'm saying? That's then, this is now. That's then, this is now. We can't be people of the past, and our greatest moment of faith and service to the Lord cannot and should not be in the past. It should be even the lessons of the last hour that there's new experiences, new life lessons, new journeys, new steps of faith for today and the future. And we only need the faith for the next step. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.